And, and a couple of other announcements uh, along the lines of lady stuff. Uh, we are uh, still doing our fill the bag campaign um, in which we are trying to fill a bag full of um, sundries that uh, would help. Uh, our Jesus Said Love ministry, that it operates not just with this church, but a bunch of churches around our community. We are the drop-off location for, um, don't want to hear my sermon, Dinah? That's just awkward. It's just mean. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, oh, no, she's praying. Uh, it, sorry. She's, <laughs> now I'm gone. Now my mind's gone. Um, so, uh, yes, Jesus Said Love, it, it, we are the drop-off location for these things. You can uh, ask Ryan Jacobson, who's standing in the back, or go online to the city and find out all that goes into those bags. But what they do is they take them out on Easter Sunday. Um, uh, is it Easter Sunday that you're, they're going to go out or Saturday night? East, Easter Sunday. Um, they're going to go into the lo- some of the local strip clubs around town. Um, and uh, women are going to go in to carry these bags uh, to deliver them into the green rooms, the dressing rooms of the girls who work there and just say that Jesus loves you and that's it. Um, it's been an amazing ministry in Waco and um, so many women's lives have been changed by the fact that the church reached out and said, I know you think we think you're horrible, but Jesus loves you and so do we, um, which is just an amazing message for everyone to hear. Um, so th- there's that. If you ha- want more information, please go online. And then finally, um, in a couple of weeks is Easter Sunday, and uh, we are going to be doing our Seder meal on Saturday the 30th. Uh, that night at 6 o'clock here in the CLC, we will be uh, worshiping. We'll have a meal together, the Seder meal together, and then uh, followed by a worship service. We have all the table hosts we need. Now we just need you to come. Um, so if you uh, would be interested in coming to celebrate this, um, this same meal that Jesus celebrated the night he was be- betrayed and, uh, and went to the cross, um, to celebrate it, however, with the knowledge that he is the Messiah, um, and that the exodus out of Egypt in which they talk about in the Seder meal um, also now incorporates, we incorporate um, the exodus from, from sin and death into life. Um, and, and so we would love for you to join us uh, celebrating that rhythm of, of the part of the church. If you have questions about it, please see me or Stacy, and you can also go on the city and, uh, and register for that. So we are uh, in Exodus, and, uh, and Pastor Matt was here last week and, uh, and talked about uh, one, of the, one of the great moments um, in the history of, of our story uh, when Moses goes up onto the hillside and he needs Aaron um, and her to hold his arms, to lift his arms. And um, I just thought it was just a, such a beautiful, it is such a beautiful image. And, and I like how Matt kind of tied it into motherhood um, and to the fact that we all need help at times and we should be open for help. I, I think one of the best lines um, that he had uh, was something to the effect of um, the greatest thing the devil can can get you to do is to is to get you to fall into a list of doing good things and not shooting for something magnificent and great um, that you fall into this deal and, and a lot of times when you shoot for that magnificent great thing you need other people to support you um, just a wonderful image uh, I think something else that jumps out at me for that scripture that takes us into today's scripture is is this um, I don't know if you remember Libby This is where the, the sermon goes off the tracks here. I'm going to look at Daryl there. I know Daryl's crying in the back. I just can't see his eyes. Um, Libby Bebinger, just a beautiful, beautiful girl. Um, she suffered with uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, for many, many years. Um, she was in a wheelchair 
for, I believe, 19 years. She sat in the back. We would move chairs for her uh, when her, her mother uh, would wheel her in um, and one of our caretakers. And she would lay um, in the back there. And she had no longer uh, had the ability to talk, but she had this computer device where she could move her eyes and communicate with you through this um, amazing technology. Um, one of the things through uh, the, the community that we, we kind of surrounded her and began to just love on her. Um, and to pray for her and to pray with her. And there are people that went over to her home and prayed with her and, and kept praying that she would be healed. And one of the things that Daryl pointed out last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we began to talk about the scripture, was um, that what she wanted uh, was to stand and worship in New Heights. They kept praying for total healing. And she's like, I just want to stand and worship God. And if you were here the Sunday that it happened, it still just rocks me. I'm standing up here as I always am. And they're going through some song. And it was packed that Sunday. And Daryl's looking at me going (laughs) like this. And I'm like, what? What? Um, You know, we need kind of a signal uh, type deal. And and he finally gets me to understand. He's like, look in the back. And so I step out in uh, to center court here, and I look, and there's Libby standing with her arms raised high, worshiping God. At that point, Daryl couldn't sing any longer. My whole sermon was just gone. Here we go. It was just an ugly cry Sunday, um, but for joyful reasons. But the picture that I really saw, it was Libby standing there, but what was so amazing about it is how many people were underneath her and supporting her and holding her and holding her arms. I think Ryan was on one side, Joel Harris was on another. There's people just surrounding her and loving her and and saying, you're going to stand and we're going to help. Even uh, my daughter Grace, who you would think doesn't know what's going on, walks over to her and puts a hand on her. That Sunday, our community changed. That Sunday, I changed. Daryl changed. August changed. That Sunday, we as a body were reshaped into who God wants us to be, a little bit more who he wants us to be. It taught us something. Something magnificent about the power of community and the power of God. It taught us something about faithfulness of a woman who just longed and desired to stand and worship. It it reshaped who we are. If you've been here for this story of Exodus that we've been going through, God has been reshaping the identity of the people, Israel. He has brought them out of generations of slavery through magnificent means and said, that is not who you are. Let me begin to show you. Last week when Matt read the scripture that is just so just brought that picture of Libby back, he was reshaping who Moses was. He was teaching Moses to be a leader. He was teaching Aaron and her 
And Robert Ortiz, our, our pastor friend out at Asbury, had this, this picture of he was also showing the people on the battlefield, reminding them who they were. Because every time they started losing, they would look up and they would see Moses' arms down. And when he would raise them again, they would begin to win in the battle. And there was this connection, this understanding that it is God who brings the power. That it is not them. It is through the power of God. That is the banner that is cast over them. This God. Love. It's this understanding, this re-understanding, this reshaping of who they are. We are people who have power because of him. So they get through the battle. And they continue on. And we find ourselves in Exodus 18. The next day, Moses sat as usual to hear the people's complaints against each other. They were lined up in front of him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, Why are you trying to do all of this alone? The people have been standing here all day to get your help. Moses replied, Well, the people come to me to seek God's guidance. When an argument arises, I am the one who settles the case. I inform the people of God's decisions and teach them his laws and instructions. This is not good, his father-in-law exclaimed. See, father-in-laws always tell their sons-in-law, how bad they are. Just kidding. You're going to, it's usually mothers-in-law. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing him their questions to be decided. You should tell them God's decisions, teach them God's laws and instructions and show them how to conduct their lives. But find some capable, honest men who fear God and, and hate bribes. Appoint them as judges over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. Then these men can serve the people resolving all the ordinary cases. Anything that is too important or too complicated can be brought to you. But they can take care of the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice and if God directs you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice, followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and made them judges over the people. They were put in charge of groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. These men were constantly available to administer justice. They brought the hard cases to Moses, but they judged the small matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. The beginning of bureaucracy. The beginning of the institutional church. The beginning of the people of Israel taking ownership of their own faith. See, what I see happening here is, is a couple of things. The reshaping of who Moses is as a leader but also an understanding that he's not going to be with them forever. We know the rest of the story that he does not get to go into the promised land with them. He must set up a way for them to live, to be, that they can be on their own. 
he must get them to understand that it is not he who stands on the rock and holds his arms up and parts the sea. It is not he who stands on the mountainside and holds his arms up and they win the battle. It is not he who brings bread from heaven. It is not he who brings water out of the rock. It is God. It is not he who has access to God alone. It is all of them. What Jethro saw was, was this model that the only way to get to God is through Moses. And Jethro rightly said, hey, that's kind of ridiculous. He said it for the health of his son-in-law, maybe, but also for the health of the people. There is no one person who controls access to God. Thank heaven it is not me. Because none of your prayers would ever get sent to him. <laughs> Shh, I'm talking to him about me. But so often we believe that it is those who are in clergy. I can't tell you how many times people tell me, you have, oh, you have that direct line to God. You have that golden phone. For you, it's just a local call. That's because we live in Texas. How many times people come to me and they're like, hey, I just, I need to come to you so that you can talk to God about this. I'm like, have you talked to God about this? Because, hey, me and God are tight, yes. But so are you and God. If you're not, you can be. This, I believe, is the reshaping of, of the faithful life of the people, Israel. That it is not just about the priests. Yeah, it's an important part of it. Yes. But that it is not solely their access to God alone. Now, if you fast forward through the life of the, of the Jew and, and the history of the Jewish church, it stays the fact that it is the priests who have access. That it is the holy priest who can go into the holy of holies. But Jesus breaks all of that for us. Jesus tears the veil. So that we have direct access to him. What I see in this is ownership of my faith. It is not through David Manitsky. It is not through Bishop Dorf that I have access to God. It is not through these people in the ecclesiastical world, the hierarchy of the church, that I have access to God. It is through me and my relationship. Now the wisdom is that there are set above the rest people who are called out who are called to be more discerning, who are called to be teachers, who are given spiritual gifts that are different than the rest of everyone else. There are people who are set aside by God to lead. Yes, those people, I'm one of them, are people who have been anointed by God to lead. And it is our job to shepherd. Yes, but it is not our job to say, you have no access to him except through me. Too many times the church has said we are the only, we are the power. We have held so much control and power. And what usually happens when we do that? War. Schisms. Protestant Reformation. People get angry. Because deep down they know it's not true. Deep down they know that they have a a voice inside of them that cries out to heaven. And heaven responds. 
There's been a, a lot of talk recently. I, I, uh, I applied for a job. Um, I, I didn't get it. Uh, they chose some guy from Argentina instead. <laughs> I thought I was qualified. Um, I went to Catholic school growing up. But um, it, there's a lot of confusion about that. There's a, there's a lot of wonderings about the whole, that whole office there. I can feel Daryl kind of clenching his fist going, don't, don't do that. Don't go there. You're wading into deep waters, my friend. One of the issues that I have with any institution that wants to put a pastor or a priest or a cardinal or a bishop or a pope One of the issues I have is, and I'm not saying that this is the case, but one of the issues I have is if any one of those denominations says that the only way you can have direct access to God is through the clergy. That's wrong. That's so wrong. God, I think, is reshaping the people of of Israel's identity right here to teach them more about how to interact with him. But I think what we can take from this is how we interact with him. You have permission from God to be a priest, the priesthood of all believers. You have permission to pray with one another for the forgiveness of sins, to do these confessional prayers. You have permission to intercede with one another for God. You don't have to come to us. We're here, and we'd love for you to. And our heart hurts when your heart hurts, and we rejoice when you rejoice. God has pulled us off to lead a different life. We get it. But I think I would be failing in my responsibilities if I didn't push the authority back to you. You can pray with one another. You can rejoice with one another. You you can worship God somewhere other than this room together. You can go out into the world screaming at the top of your lungs the glory of God. If you don't know him, let me talk to you about him. I don't have to visit with my pastor buddy, Michael. I can tell you about it right now. You don't need me to be the expert in the room. You are the expert. You are the one who has that relationship with Christ that is so different than mine. The story that you have to tell, storytelling that what the women are going to do, the story that you have to tell is so much more powerful than mine because it's yours. I haven't been where you've been. I haven't experienced what you've experienced, seen what you've seen. I don't know what you know. So get in the groups. Thousands, hundreds, tens, fifties. Get into groups together. Share life together. Be a church somewhere other than this room. Begin a community on your own at your house and then join together with us on Sunday and worship God. Meet together as Ryan Jacobson and his crew do every Friday night. Have a meal. Celebrate. Worship God. Share life together. But then come on Sunday and worship with the rest of us. 
coming in the fall. Casey, Casey Harris is going to be back. Somewhere right there. And, and she and our little friend are, are going to be pushing this idea a little bit more tangibly. That, that we long for you to begin to form communities in your homes where you take care of one another, where you live life together. And that on Sunday, we come back as a body and we worship and we talk about what happened at church. Monday through Saturday. That's right. I just used the United Methodist quote again. Bam. Nailed it. I never quote from the Methodist, but that is a great one. (laughs) Church is Monday through Saturday. Sunday is when we talk about what happened at church. The only time you interact with God, if it's in this room, you need to expand your, your scope there. You need to broaden your vision. You need to realize that God is everywhere in everyone. And we need to begin to realize that we, we have access. All of us have access to God. We need to reshape our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God, that He loves us more than anything. And He wants a relationship with us. Let's start it today. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You. For being a God who loves us even though you know us. We thank you that you're a God who doesn't want to sit back and, and wait for us to go through the proper channels to access you. To hear your voice, to see your face. You just want us to come. You just want us to come to you. To talk. To sit, to listen, to worship, to gather together as community of believers and, and do what the early church did, live life together. God, we thank you so much that when Jesus died, the veil was torn and all who desire have access to come close to the foot of the cross. God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.